0: back to Book Talks podcast. This is Marissa and this week I will be recording the podcast completely alone. Yes, it will just be me, myself and I. So if I make jokes and then laugh at my own jokes, I'm just going to hold out hope that you are laughing right along with me. Kayla's in Seattle. Also, I got COVID last week, which is why our recording schedule is just completely messed up. We're supposed to do both Love Hypothesis and Love on the Brain for last week's podcast episode. And uh, again, I got COVID, so that didn't happen. So a little disappointed that we didn't do Love on the Brain because that's like so hot right now. I just see it all over Bookstagram and, uh, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But that's okay because this week we are doing a discovery of witches, which I would basically call Adult Twilight. <laughs> And um, I don't mean that as like a diss because I thoroughly enjoyed this book. I think I would probably give it like four-ish stars, closer to five. It was a really good solid book. I do have some things I disliked about it, which we will jump right into because that's why you're here, right? I mean, you, you already know I like to read. You already know I enjoy books. So you're not coming here for me to just like gush about these books and not pick them apart, right? You're here for me to pick them apart. At least <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, I, I love, you know, digging into the books and I will talk about the things I enjoyed as well, but I definitely had some issues with it. And I just want to start with the most obvious one for me, which was the length. Of this book, um, <laughs> I opened this audiobook up and it was 24 hours. A 24 hour book. And I don't know about you, but my attention span for an audiobook is about 10 hours. Like a 13 hour audiobook is considered long for me. And when they're eight hours, I get so excited because I know I can just like whiz through them in one workday. But a 24-hour audiobook is insane. That is three times the amount that I would normally prefer. So just right off the bat, I'll preface this by saying, this is the first book in the series. And while I do think the book was good and it keeps you interested, it's very, very long. So, you know, if you're like me and you have a short attention span, This may be hard for you to get through, but hopefully if you're listening to this, you've already read the book, so that doesn't matter. I'm just basically airing my grievances about it right now because I was just completely shocked that it was 24 hours long. That's insane. On top of that, as I already mentioned, I had COVID, and so when I got COVID, I had about eight hours left, I think of this book right so I listened to the first 16 hours completely healthy and then COVID hit and I had eight hours to go those last eight hours for me were like a crazy fever dream I mean I was passed out on the couch for four days straight barely touching my phone couldn't read a book uh Kayla had texted me and said something about oh well like you know you'll have all this time to read now um, I, I literally could not read a book. I was so sick, so dizzy, just felt so awful. And so I was like, well, thank goodness I have this book on audio. I only have eight hours to go. And it was just a, a literal fever dream. In and out of consciousness. I re-listened to the ending probably 17 times because I would start it and then fall asleep and then I'd have to rewind, start it, fall asleep, rewind. And I, I honestly am not sure how much of those eight hours I actually soaked up, which makes me nervous to continue the series because I have a feeling I missed some pretty important parts in those last eight hours. But, you know, I got the gist of it, right? I got the gist of it and I could tell you how it ended. Um, Just don't quiz me on the details. So anyway, I guess those are like my two biggest grievances, which neither is, is really a grievance because the length of the book really is just my own issue, right? Like I have a, a short attention span and then obviously it's not the author's fault I got COVID. So... My two biggest issues with this book really are not issues. Uh, It's just kind of, you know, little disclaimers I'm going to put out there as far as why maybe I didn't love this book as much as I could have. And again, I'll just reiterate, right? I gave this a solid four. It's closer to five, but, you know, at least four stars on this book. It's just, you know, those last eight hours, man, that was was a shit show, (laughs) honestly. But before we discuss the ending, I'll give a quick synopsis. And I don't have the book in front of me. So this is like purely off memory. So forgive me if anything's wrong. But essentially, this is uh, not essentially. I mean, it's about Matthew and Diana. Matthew's a vampire. Diana's a witch. Except Diana wants to be what she considers normal, which is a human. So she has been suppressing her magic Uh, Or at least she's not been using it. She tries to never use magic. And then the book kind of starts off with her accidentally calling this, this magical manuscript to herself. And it turns out that witches, vampires, demons, everyone has been after this manuscript for like a thousand years. And no one's been able to get their hands on it because it's spellbound. But somehow she was able to call it to herself and... Uh, open it up, and so that's kind of where the story picks up. And, you know, Matthew—he's a vampire, and I wouldn't call this enemies to lovers. I could see how you could go enemies to lovers with this because, you know, the the different creatures—vampires, demons—which is they don't necessarily get along. Like they're not super close friends or anything, <sighs> but. It's not like he was out to get her or she was out to get him. They're just two people who don't, you know, they, they have biases. They don't get along with each other. So I wouldn't call this enemies to lovers, but confrontational at the beginning, which I love because that creates obviously some great tension. But Matthew is, of course, like just completely drawn to her, feels this need to protect her. If you've read the book, which again, hopefully if you're here, you've read the book. But if you've read the book, uh, that scene in the library where that one witch was trying to get into her mind. And Matthew like comes to stand behind her and like puts his hand on the chair or something. She knows he's there and he's like being overprotective. Oh, that, that was when I was like, Oof, I think I like Matthew a lot. And I did like Matthew and Diana a lot, but I guess grievance number three, and this is like an actual ick point for me, is that this Matthew guy's like a thousand years old. <laughs> And Diana's literally like 30. Um, She might be 40. I can't remember if she was born in the 70s or 80s, which I love that. I love that she was not a teenager because, you know, most of these books with these giant age gaps and immortal creatures, it's like a 500-year-old man and a 16-year-old girl. And that's weird. Um, So this was at least she was like an adult. But he was literally... At least a thousand years old, which you know I was not a huge fan of. That was kind of icky, and I also kind of thought it was weird that he's basically been single for that entire time, and then Diana comes along and boom, he's in love within like two pages. Uh, you know something I can suspend my mind for, but I just don't love. Uh, but it does seem like a lot of books do that. So I, I'm i not, it's not like a huge grievance, I guess. It's just kind of icky. So I guess in that sense, uh, we can kind of compare it to Twilight. Obviously, Twilight focuses on Edward and Bella. And Edward also is significantly older than Bella, although not quite as old. I think he's only 100 or 180 maybe, uh, which obviously <laughs> sounds ridiculous. but. Um. But you know, whatever smaller age gap there, which uh, I just I do prefer. But speaking of Twilight, because I do want to go ahead and make these comparisons, I'll point out the obvious, right? Uh, Vampires, age gap, romance, uh, and then Volturi slash congregation. Or yeah, I think it was congregation. Those are kind of like the immediate connections I see. But I do feel like as I was reading it, there were uh, even more similarities. And I don't know which book came out first. And I'm not saying that either author copied the other. But I think when you're reading about vampires, your mind just immediately goes to Twilight. Because that, at least for me, was the first ever vampire novel, you know, and probably the most popular vampire novel of our generation, at least Uh, I won't discount Dracula, but um, he's not really from my time, I would say. So I guess just inherently reading this book, I'm constantly comparing it to Twilight and I don't think there was a scene where the vampires were playing baseball, but at this point, the two books are so intermingled. <laughs> and like I said, I had COVID, so it was like literally lucid dreaming that in my mind, I feel like I could see the vampires playing baseball in A Discovery of Witches. Again, I don't think that actually happened but um, they were very similar in structure and in events and in ideas. And the biggest idea, the biggest similarity uh, that did feel like kind of a copycat, uh, and again, I don't know which book came out first, but it was just, it was way, way too similar, Uh, is this whole Volturi in Twilight versus the congregations in A Discovery of Witches. And at least based on my understanding, literally, they're the exact same thing. They're the governing body of the creatures. So, you know, in Twilight, the Volturi just had to do with um, vampires. In A Discovery of Witches, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think... Each set of creature had their own congregation. So I think the witch congregation was separate from the vampire congregation. And I'm assuming the demons also had a congregation. So... I guess in that sense, maybe, you know, slightly different, but not really, because at the end of the day, the congregation is like the governing body, and they make the rules, and you have to follow those rules, and if you don't follow them, they'll just come kill all your family and kill you and kill people you love. So that was like really very, very similar to the Volturi, because, you know, in Twilight, they were kind of after Edward and Bella and because she was human. He wasn't supposed to tell her about vampires and he did. <laughs> Crazy kid. And so the Voltori was like, you know, you have to change her into a vampire or else we'll kill her. And this is kind of similar. Not that they were saying Diana had to become a vampire, but I did think it was interesting that that kind of came up as a potential solution, Diana's saying like I don't I don't think Diana wants to become a vampire and I don't want her to become a vampire because she's totally badass as a witch but someone and it might have been Isabeau or someone else I brought it up that like maybe he should just make her a vampire which again totally disagree with that suggestion because she's a witch and she's totally awesome as a witch. So I do not want to see the book go in that direction. And I don't think it will because, again, this is adult Twilight. So I think the author is going to find solutions outside of um, these rash decisions that, you know, Edward and Bella were making. This is a a very intelligent author. And I'm not saying Stephanie Meyer is not, but she wrote, you know, a young adult Twilight book. And again, this is uh, adult vampires. So anyway. I kind of forget where I was going with all that. But I guess just going back to similarities to Twilight, the romance aspect. And this is, again, something that I'm just not a fan of. Kind of that immediate falling in love. It's not horrible in this book, but I'm learning to prefer a slow burn. And I think this is what... It kind of goes back to the fact that this book was too long. I thoroughly enjoyed the first 40% of this book. It was so good. Uh, in the first 40% of this book, Matthew and Diana really are kind of, kind of a slow burn. And keep in mind, 40% of this book is already like 10 hours. I'm not going to do the math. That's too hard. But it's around 10 hours, which is a full book. So the first 40% was in, it, in and of itself a full book. And in that 40%, um, Diana and Matthew really slowly developed feelings for each other. They kind of went from biased against each other to teaming up because they kind of had to and then becoming friends, you know, doing yoga together, which is kind of weird, but okay. Um, And then ultimately learning to really care about each other. And I really, really enjoyed that. My issue comes in at the second half of the book because we go from strangers to husband and wife and literally talking about having a child together in one book. Uh, that That is fast for me. <laughs> and I know the book is 24 hours long, and if it had been split into three books— That progression would have been totally normal and made total sense to me, right? If the first book had been slow burn, kind of enemies to lovers, and then the second book was like, we got to get married. And then by the third book, they're like, yeah, let's have a kid. We're going to live happily ever after. Totally would have made sense to me. But the fact that it all happened in one book really threw me off. And I did not love the discussion of having a kid at the end of the book, which is like a whole, um, uh, what what's the word? Like a whole plot point, a whole other plot point that is going to be important for the rest of the series. So like, I understand that she had to introduce that at some point. I just didn't love that she introduced it in book one. And I didn't love... That they so quickly became husband and wife. And also that we didn't get like a, you know, wedding ceremony. It was just like, oh, once we kiss, we are husband and wife. And uh, I don't know. I just didn't love that. So like I said, their romance, t- despite being a slow burn in the first 40%, happened really quickly in one book. And I didn't love that. So that's kind of a grievance. And on that same notion of if she had split the book in two, I think I would have loved it so much better because there were really multiple plot points with multiple climaxes. And so it just felt like the book kept going and going and going. And again, at 40%, I thought the book was almost done. And then I looked down at, at my phone and was like, oh my gosh, I still have 14 hours left. That's crazy. Because at 40%, we were like almost done. We had a full story. She had a full plot point and a full like arc characters developed. And then, you know, the story goes on. So I guess grievance number, I don't know what number we're on now, but grievance like number five is, there were too many events and plot points in this book. And the one that sticks out to me the most is I think it was right after Matthew and Diana sleep together for the first time. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Diana was in like some post coital bliss. And she goes out to the garden which Matthew had literally told her not to do, so I don't know why she did that, but she's out in the garden eating an apple, and then the witch comes, plucks her up, takes her to some weird abandoned castle, throws her down this, like, huge pit, and she's seeing the ghosts of all these people who died in that pit, right? This was what I thought the climax of the book should have been, and... After this event, there were still eight hours left. That is a huge problem to me because that was like the big climatic point. Um, You know, she's down in this pit. She's not sure what's going to happen, if she's going to live or die. Matthew wakes up and he's freaking out and they have to find her and save her. And my guess is the author didn't want it to be the ending because she didn't want Matthew to, like, save her. Like, maybe she's a feminist and wanted Diana to save herself. I think if Diana had learned to, like, use her magic earlier on and then saved herself, that would have made sense. But that's not what happened. She hadn't really learned to use her magic yet. So when this whole event takes place and Matthew comes to rescue her and she ends up, like, getting out on her own and not even really needing Matthew – I was just kind of over it at that point, which makes that sound a lot worse than it is. Again, I gave this book four stars. It was a good book. I really enjoyed it. But it seems like the author just kept adding new events that we had to get through in order to get to the end, which is not the feeling you want to um, bring out in your reader, I don't think. So that is a big grievance to me again this like this this point in the book where i thought it was the climax and then we had 8 hours left and then those 8 hours really went down their own plot line again diana had to in those last 8 hours and <laughs> this is where the lucid dreaming really started for me so um these last 8 hours might have been misunderstood but in those last 8 hours Diana and Matthew end up going to uh, her childhood home, the Bishop House, which I love that house. That house is its own freaking character, and I absolutely love it. Um, Total sass personality, so great. But they go to her childhood home where her two aunts are having incestual sex, I think. (laughs) This is where I really wish Kayla was here because I think she could correct me on this because I'm sure that's not really what was happening. But M and Sarah are her aunts and they are clearly in a relationship and have a single room together. So in my mind, there was some incest going on. And again, I'm sure that's not what was happening, but I was lucid dreaming at this point and literally not understanding anything. So um, that was weird loved the house but that was weird anyway these last eight hours in the book getting back to my freaking point she goes on her own journey in these last eight hours And keep in mind, we've already listened or read 16 hours worth of material, which is two full stories worth of information. And now we're in like book number three, except it's really book number one. And she's on this whole new journey of learning to control her powers. Matthew is teaching her to use her powers. She's not rediscovering. She's discovering for the first time what really happened to her parents. The house is like giving her information and letters And I just felt like that was in and of itself, its own freaking book. And again, I I sound angry right now. I'm not angry. This was a very good book. It was just so long. And I really think it should have been broken up into at least two books, maybe even three. Or like maybe some of the stuff at the end of this book could have been shifted to the next book. Because again, it... it, (sighs) She crammed so much in there that I feel like the development was rushed, even though it wasn't. Because again, if she had just cut this book in half and ended it at like, for example, uh, you know, when Matthew saves her from the castle, if she had just ended it there and then not changed a single word in the rest of the book, but just made it a separate book, I think I would have been like, oh, this is awesome. I love what she did with this, you know, second book. But she crammed it all into one book, which means I didn't have time to digest any of the information that I'd already consumed. You know, there wasn't a period of time where I took a break. So again, this like, this grievance, It's kind of a double-edged sword because obviously you're reading a book and you're really enjoying it and you can't put it down, but you're getting frustrated by how long it is and how many plot points there are, even though they're good plot points. I just wish they'd kind of stood on their own in a separate book. And again, maybe that's freaking crazy. I had COVID, cut me some slack, but that is my opinion. Am I excited for book number two? Yes and no. I don't love time travel. I just, I think we've actually said it on the podcast before. Kayla said it too, I'm pretty sure. I just, time travel really freaks me out and scares me for a lot like two separate reasons I won't say a lot of reasons but two reasons one I don't like time travel because I'm always worried that they'll go back in time and mess something up or like see themselves and then they'll go crazy and it'll affect the future so I don't love that aspect and I'm not sure yet um if that will come into play because I have this memory of Kayla talking to me about this book and saying that when they go in the past their past selves are no longer there I think that's what she said but anyway I'm not I don't hold me to that I can I cannot confirm that that's true Kayla's not here to fact check me so the other reason though I'm not a huge fan of time travel and it like freaks me out is gosh I don't even know how to explain it it's just this like gut feeling that they're gonna go back maybe it's that they're gonna go back and get stuck in the past and they won't be able to get back out of it or they'll get killed in the past like I don't know what it is. I just don't love it. And so the fact that the next book is going to, I'm assuming, take place in the past since, you know, it ended with them literally stepping into the past. I'm not super looking forward to it, but I do really love Matthew and Diana. Uh, They're very mature. Well, yeah, yeah, they're mature. Like I said, it's an adult Twilight. So I get some mixed signals because, you know, Twilight is so young adult that, Sometimes, sometimes Diana and Matthew seem young adult, but they're both older and they have careers, which I I love that they both have careers. I love that like they're not in high school because I'm really over the high school stuff. I'm over high school angst. I'm over teenage drama and I never thought I would be, but I've reached a point in my life where I just don't relate to it anymore. So I really love that they both have jobs, that they're mature and I want to see I guess what's going to happen, like, I guess here's here's another grievance, and one that I, I'm looking forward to seeing how she resolves it, but my grievance is, how is it freaking possible that in a thousand years, no two creatures of two different, like, creature types ever got together, because with this book, we are having to accept that Matthew and Diana are the first freaking creatures to ever, you know, get it on together. Because uh, the congregation is freaking out about a vampire and a witch being together. I'm like, are you really trying to tell me that a vampire and a witch never hooked up before? Or never fell in love before? I can suspend my mind about a lot of things. But that's honestly not one of them. <laughs> like in a thousand years, I'm sure creatures of different types got together, and either the congregation didn't know or didn't care, but whatever. Anyway, with this book, we have to assume that no, Matthew and Diana are the first two to ever be together, and that is a little far-fetched to me, but I am looking forward to seeing how it gets resolved in the next books, because You know, we have a lot of balls in the air right now. We have that manuscript. You know, we still don't have a resolution on that manuscript. We've gotten pieces of what it might contain, but we don't have the full picture yet. You know, we don't know why the witch congregation wants to protect it so badly and keep it hidden from the vampires. We don't know uh, if the, like, what the vampires will do with it once they have that information. Um, We also don't have hardly any information about the demons, so I don't know if they'll have a bigger role in the next books. Um, So we have that ball in the air. We have the whole child ball in the air, like Matthew and Diana are destined to have a child together. I I don't know about that. That was a little weird, but, you know, I'm I'm on board with it. I just want to find out what's going to happen. We also have... um, you know, we need a little more resolution, I think, with her parents because I'm a little pissed off that her parents decided to just go get themselves killed over nothing. Okay, this actually does blow my mind. Can we just can we just break this down for a minute? From what I understood, again, eight hours of lucid dreaming, I may have this completely wrong. But from what I understood, her parents, uh, she was seven, and her parents were witches. And the congregation, the witch congregation was like, hey, yo, we sent some powerful magic coming from your little family. Where's that coming from? And instead of outing their daughter, they said, oh, it's Daddy Steven. He is the one with all these crazy powers. I think that was his name. I might've just made that up, but whatever. I'm pretty sure his name was Stephen. Regardless, you know, they said it was the dad who had these crazy powers. And they knew that since he didn't really have those powers, the congregation would not be able to actually research it. Um, Like the congregation would try to get those powers out of him to look at them and examine them and research it. And those powers wouldn't be there because it wasn't him who had the powers. And so they were like... Yeah, we're just going to say it's Daddy Steven, and we're going to go to Africa and let them torture us to death and good luck, sweetie. We're going to bind your power so that you can't actually use it unless you really need it and we're not going to tell anyone we did that. Bye. That really just did not sit right with me. I don't feel like it was necessary. Um, I understand it was necessary To the development of Diana the Diana we have today because that plays a part in who she is today you know she was scared to use magic Um, she also couldn't really use magic though she didn't know that she just thought she was suppressing it so I, I get the relevance in that sense I just don't think it was necessary in general like why they decided they were gonna go let themselves get killed in Africa over this I, I mean, I do understand wanting to protect your daughter, but you can protect your daughter a lot better if you're alive than if you're dead, at least in this situation. I think they could have protected her better. They could have taken her on the run. Uh, they could have just, I don't know. I don't know what they could have done, but they did not try to resolve this issue. They just accepted death, which... I'm not a fan of. I thought that was pretty silly and ridiculous. So that ball is also in the air as far as what book number two could hold. Um, I think there's more to that story, or at least I hope there is. And obviously we have a lot of side characters that I'm looking forward to seeing more of. Isabeau is like my favorite character in this whole book series. I just think she is so... Freaking awesome. She accepted Diana into their family despite her, you know, biases towards witches and the things that were done to her husband by witches. So I absolutely love Isabeau. She is a 10 out of 10 character for me, and I really hope she's in the next book. I don't know if the next book will be told in like different perspectives so that we'll get her perspective, but definitely looking forward to that. I guess for my final grievance, and again, this is like literally a personal preference, but I am not into blood sucking, okay? Like, let's just end this on a sexual note because that's the best part of these books. I am not into pleasurable blood sucking, and that is a theme in vampire books that I... I, I love the From Blood and Ash series. I know I, I may be in the minority on that. I may not be. Who knows? Whatever. But I love them. But what I don't love is the whole sinking the fangs right into the vein and pulling the blood and oh, it feels so good. Like that to me is disgusting. And not just disgusting, but like it just sounds painful. I do not like needles. I don't want anyone putting their freaking fangs into me and sucking my blood. I don't think that would be pleasurable at all, which means I cannot suspend my mind enough to think that would be pleasurable in these books. So every time a scene happened where, you know, Matthew and Diana were getting it on and he was sinking his fangs into her artery, I was just ugh, oh, cringe. But I think I'm in the minority on that because I think a lot of you weirdos have that kink. Like when you read these vampire books, you are on board with that. Uh, So props to you guys because I just haven't developed that taste. Maybe in another year I'll develop it. But right now we are not there. Um. But yeah, so that kind of sums up my grievances. I hope it was done in a lighthearted manner because I really did enjoy this book. I wish I had not been sick for the last eight hours of it because that definitely put a damper on book number one. But I def- I do think I'll continue the series. Um, I really enjoyed Matthew and Diana. And I, the the author is really good at writing. Also, the audio reader was fantastic. Um, sometimes you get audiobooks where you don't vibe with the audio narrator, but whoever did this book, I thought was really awesome. She did like different voices for each character, which absolutely love. So definitely going to continue the series. It just you know, it's kind of an adult Twilight, and um, and I just could not stop comparing it to Twilight the entire time. Uh, I don't think I'll have that problem in book number two because Twilight does not time travel. So hopefully book number two will be just a clean slate. But as far as book number one goes, yeah, it's adult Twilight. But it's good. It's mature. It's good. And uh, aside from my grievances, which were a lot, um, kind of like the book, (laughs) I did did really like it. Um, The book was a little long, but you know... I I get why she did it, uh, and you know she did it well. I just got sick, and I think that kind of put a negative spin on things. Um, COVID is definitely not fun, but I really hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. You know, Kayla and I will hopefully be back soon. Um, we're having scheduling issues right now because uh, I have a trip coming up to Hawaii, which is super exciting. Um, so hopefully we'll get the next episode out together and everything will be on time but I do hope you enjoyed today obviously doing a podcast by yourself is basically just uh, lame you know <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I'm sitting here screaming at my computer all by myself <laughs> but I really hope you guys enjoyed and I hope you'll go comment on our latest Instagram post what you guys thought of this book. Also, let me know if I should, oh gosh, okay, grievance number 10 million, except it has nothing to do with the author or the book. The Amazon show. Let me know if I should freaking spend the money and get Amazon Prime Plus, which don't even get me started on. I pay an arm and a leg for Amazon Prime and I just, I. it makes me so mad that the show is like behind a firewall of, extra payments. Uh, so I haven't, I haven't paid the money yet, but I do really want to see it. I just don't know if it's worth the money. So comment on our latest Instagram post, you know, what you thought of the series and whether the show is worth it. And um, I really appreciate you guys tuning in. We will hopefully be back next week together. Thank you guys so much for listening. And geez, how do we normally end this? Um, tune in next week and have a great night. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Book Talk Podcast.